Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush, and I'm very excited about today's guest, Marisa Gowdy. She has been on the podcast before where we talk about talked about writing as a way to heal. And today we're actually going to be talking about her new book, which I'm very excited. I'm, I'm sad to say I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through, but I'm loving it so much. What I love about Marisa is she's willing to embrace the magical and the woo-woo along with the practical and more grounded work that we do here in healing. So Marisa is an author, scholar, writing coach, and energy healer who teaches women how to embody and tell their own sovereign stories. She has just released her first book with Paper Raven Books, The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic. So perfect for the podcast. 20 years ago, when she was an American student studying in Ireland, Marisa discovered the myth and magic of the sovereignty goddess. Now she combines her passion for Celtic mythology and Irish folklore with her feminist vision, creating an equitable world that is more beautiful, bearable, and bold. She is founder of the online community, the Sovereignty Writer Circle, and creator of the Seven Magic Words Project. Marisa offers writing coaching services and tarot as intuitive healing sessions to clients from around the world. She'll soon be leading in-person retreats near her home in New York's Hudson Valley, where she lives with her husband and daughters. I'm very excited about having Marisa back on the podcast, and we're going to be exploring women warriors, women warriors, and sovereignty, and how to find your sovereign space even in the worry. Let's get started. Hi, Marisa. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Biz, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I should say welcome back to the podcast because you've been a guest before. I have. It's wonderful to return. I know. I'm so excited to have you back and talk about your new book. But Mm. before we do that, if you could share with the audience a little bit about yourself and what has inspired you to do the work that you do. Mm. Well, um, I need to remember to now say I'm Marisa Gowdy and I'm an author, as well as saying that I'm a writing coach and a story healer. Um, It's really been exciting to um, be able to fully 
embody my work and I essentially walk my talk by having finished my first book. Um, but for years now, I have been supporting writers, especially healers. I love working with therapists and coaches and energy healers. Um, I have my own background in energy healing to really find their stories, to connect to their stories, to use their own stories to heal themselves, and then do the craft work it takes to translate those stories into something that um, can be shared with the world. And whether that's in order to build a private practice or whether it's that someone wants to write a memoir and really share their, their experiences in order to help other people know they're not alone. Um, I have just been so privileged to watch the healing power of writing for the writer and also watch it ripple forth into the world. It's, oh, and all that, which is amazing. But two, I don't think you give yourself credit for the, the ability you have to help, like to coach, to, to mm. direct, to, to empower. I mean, you know, you and I have worked on stuff and especially sort of putting words to the feeling you want, like for me, web copy or, mm. you know, a particular product that I want to, you know, push out there to the world, you've really helped me find a voice there. And to me, that's been invaluable. So thank you. I've enjoyed oh, working welcome. with you. Yeah, it's been such a privilege. And it's really, for me, it's, you know, I used to call myself a copywriter and I used to go out and, you know, sell those services. And now I, I do it more in a stealthy way in that sense of like coming from building a relationship with a client and helping a client really um, elucidate her connection with her work, with her clients, with her passion, and then, you know, helping to translate that, um, you know, because there's a lot of copywriters in the world and God bless them. Um, I'm grateful they're there to, to kind of churn those words out. I, um, I know I've come to find, to find in myself that I need to find those words from, an, from the other direction, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and to really work at the source. And if in service to that, we, you know, that's the magical piece of things. That's that real sense of, of digging deep and finding the emotions and the stories and the real tides of of feeling that matter. Mm. And then oftentimes we do that practical work of saying like, and this is how we're going to write your homepage. <laughs> and, and that's great too, because that then allows people in private practice like yourself and others to share their magic and help it keep rippling forth because Absolutely. we need to always balance that, you know, the spirals of emotion and, and depth and connection with those straight lines of, I wrote some words across a page. I made the connection, made the sale so yeah. that, you know, I can be a service provider. I can be someone who sells books. I can be somebody who um, really builds a network. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have enjoyed, I mean, I enjoy every time we work together. So, and I love the Sovereign Writer Circle, which is amazing, amazing bunch of women. But today we are going to be talking about the sovereignty, not a woman's way to freedom, power, love, and magic. Mm. That's pretty exciting. So, you know, obviously, based on the title, your book really focuses on sovereignty for women. Mm -hmm. But that that word sovereignty some sovereign some people might not really have a 
a clear idea of what that means. So maybe you could describe that for us. Yeah, that in so many ways um, has been kind of was the the real first knot I had to untangle um, because we often associate sovereignty with, you know, politics and nation states and, you know, invasion, invading another country's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And um, that's certainly a part of the dictionary definition. Um, but my the reason why I was so inspired by this word is it's Celtic roots. Um, it's that there's a being in Celtic mythology called the sovereignty goddess. Mm. And she is at once the embodiment of the land. And she is a shape-shifting woman who helps to secure the right ruler for any given piece of land or country. So there's a really huge depth of, of myth and story that comes with her. And, you know, you get to know me for more than five minutes. I think we're about five minutes into the interview. And uh, <laughs> I start dropping in these little bits of Irish folklore and little pieces of, you know, goddess mythology, um, because that's really my well of passion. Yeah. Um, so I first found that the word sovereignty, the concept of the sovereignty goddess, right at the same moment when I was really discovering feminism and really starting to understand what women's empowerment was, what it meant to be living in the patriarchy, to understand that the female experience was markedly different than the male because we, and we lived in a world in which the male experience was considered typical, normal, the, the default. Um, and this was, you know, beautiful um, late 90s, early 2000 feminism, which I, I still adore. Um, and I'm grateful we've turned to intersectionality and really broadened our understanding. But, you know, it's really what's core to me in discovering this word and idea of sovereignty that is the your real inviolable sense of self, your sense of agency, your understanding of yourself as a complete being. Mm. And I really, again, I root that into the earth beneath your feet and having a relationship with the land on which you stand, um, you know, now in, as a, you know, 21st century American in my case, and also in terms of feeling like I have an ancient lineage in Ireland, that when I go back there... I feel home in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And then I also look to see, to really rooting yourself in, in the stars, in spirit, in connecting to something that's much, much bigger than yourself. And when you have that sense of yourself and who you are, when you're connected to the earth and the land in which you stand, when you're reaching up into, um, up to God, to goddess, to divinity, whatever you understand that thing that's bigger than us, then you're able to truly reach out and support others, to help others discover their own sovereignty, to help people heal, to be a mother, to be a caregiver, to be a citizen in this world who is you know, dedicated to making the world a better place, to making it a more equitable place. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, sovereignty really becomes my whole way of being and understanding how to be myself and how to contribute to the world. And it's interesting because I think, and not that I, I, I don't even know how to phrase this, but, but when I was reading your book, as I'm going through it, I like how you link to, you know, being sovereign, you know, does that mean I'm not in relationship? I'm not a mother. I'm not, you are know, like, no, like I can be 
in relationship with others. I can be in a partnership with someone as well as having children that I take care of, but still maintain my sovereignty in myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, somebody reviewed the book on Amazon and they talked about that I was unapologetically partnered, which I found really kind of beautiful. (laughs) I'm sure my husband would appreciate that. Um, You know, but you know, it's, it's that sense of, yes, I'm in relationship. I have been with the guy I met at a bar for the last 15 years. And at the same time, I am very much unapologetically myself too. Mm-hmm. And that I am, you know, very, have done a lot of work that I'm not overly identified with my own partnership um, because I'm somebody who's built for partnership. Mm-hmm. And I've, really it's it's been a, it's been a huge part of my own journey to say and I, I talk about this at some length in the book like this understanding that my marriage is not at the core of my life even though i might have been sold that bill of goods by the fairy tales mm-hmm. and that to be sovereign in relationship is to constantly be in negotiation of a sort to say hey are we are we happy here is this working for us how am i still able to be connected to the essence of who I am while in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so important. It's so easy, I think, as women to lose touch with that core self, just being caregivers, being told to think of others first, be kind, be nice. Like it's Mm -hmm. easy to lose that sense of sovereignty. Yeah. 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 So you, um, there's one more definition I feel like I should give you because this is the one thing that I, I realize I have to be able to boil things down so I can describe them to my five-year-old. And that helps me not, not, you know, just to understand like, right, right. Complexity is not always your friend, you beautiful complex <laughs> being. Um, and it was the week I was finishing the book and it ended up that I had to put this on like page two because it finally felt like I crystallized things. So my then five-year-old says, Hey mama, what's women's sovereignty? And I responded, it's the power to know who you are, what you want, and how you want to help people and the planet. Mm. Um, so I probably, whenever I give too long of an answer, I need to just ask my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Sometimes the simplest language gets, like, as you said, it's the straightest, you know, gets you to mm-hmm. the point right away. Uh, so within the book, and Within work that we've done together, you know, you talk a lot about the archetypes of the princess, the queen, and the wise woman. We have also mm-hmm. talked about the warrior woman because of mm-hmm. the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind just giving a little sort of overview about these archetypes and what they mean to you, but also how they relate to your book. Yeah. So the first thing is to really state that they are all deeply interrelated. And I believe that all women and all people who identify as women and anybody who's willing to see the feminine within themselves has the princess, the queen, and the wise woman inside of them all throughout life. Um, And I offer this as an alternative to that progressive view of first you're the maiden, then you're the mother, then you're the crone, and then you're dead. Like, um, Like that can be really helpful because, you know, we don't have a lot of models that help us understand the woman's life cycle because we live in a world of the hero's journey rather than understanding the the shiro's journey or the heroine's journey. But I found, especially I just turned 40 and, um, you know, I'm in the thick of motherhood right now and I'm raising up two little maidens, but I don't want to and 
haven't fully left my maiden self behind. So instead it comes to an understanding that that is my princess self. And she coexists beside the queen and the wise woman. And um, in the book, I offer this sort of, uh, I wouldn't quite say it's a formula, but it's maybe my mantra of free the princess, crown the queen, embrace the wise woman. Mm. And hoping that each one of those, that sense of, um, you know, having a powerful action verb in each of them reminds us that we are here to do these archetypes as well as be these archetypes. And so I see the princess as our real wild, brave, adventurous, carefree parts. Um, I see the queen as our confident, managerial, get shit done parts. Mm. And I see the wise woman as our both still and also full of that anarchic laughter so that just she's willing to see the world as it is, to take it quite seriously and realize that at the same time, this is all just one big fleeting joke potentially because you know, we can reframe the, the the wise woman or the crone as just somebody who's sitting there being all dour and serious. Instead, she says, I've done it all. I've seen it all, girls. Yeah, We're going to get through this. Bring it on. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, she's, yeah, she's the one who's like, oh, stop being so prudish. Just enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show. You know, she's not <laughs> the one who is um, wrapping things up in mora- and over more over-moralizing and becoming the dour old dame. I think we mm-hmm. need freedom from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I love, uh, you know, I love all the princess, the queen, and the wise woman. But um, through some of the work I've been doing with my therapist, with you writing, mm-hmm. is just recognizing the power of the princess too, that like, we're not leaving her behind. She's, she's, she wants to be present. And we do her a disservice by sort of locking her in the closet and telling her to grow up, you know? Mm-hmm. Because we'll never really succeed at that. And she just tends to come out in those accidentally petulant ways or in that sense of entitlement, in that sense of victimhood, in that stuff that, you know, she wants to be able to run, to dance, to be her wild, sexy self. Mm-hmm. And growing up and trying to grow away from her is an immense disservice. You know, as I I shared in the book, when I, this formulation originally landed on me, I recognized, and I look at the shadow of each of these archetypes as well. I really recognized the the shadow aspect of the princess within me um, because I had given away so much of my agency. I had I had quit my job. I was really reliant on both my my husband and my father for um, economic support and a lot of emotional support um, in the aftermath of my mother's death. And um, once I realized that I had this princess self going, my first reaction was just hatred. Like I, the formulation of it first was slay the princess, crown the queen, because I thought, oh my gosh, you're 31 years old. You need to grow up and just, you know, take on the queen role. Your mom's gone. You need to to show up and be the new matriarch. And it took a lot of healing and a lot of introspection and a lot of support to understand that there are ways in which that princess self does have her shadow and she isn't always working in our highest good, but you can't 
ditch her completely because she's got so much of the magic and the sparkle Mm -hmm. um, that we need in order to stay engaged and stay, you know, vivid in this life. Oh, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And um, sometimes though, she can be a little scary. (laughs) I mean, I'm not scary, but looking back, it's easy to put sort of put this um, um, lens on her as this wild thing that was out of control, but you know, she was just doing her princess thing. Yeah. And she was, she was responding to the time in which she lived and the environment in which she lived. And the good news is, is that if you've got a chance to look back at that princess, you survived it. And so she did okay. Ultimately she got you through. There may be some stuff to heal from there, but she did make it through. Yeah. 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 So I know you and I have sort of played with this idea of a woman warrior, woman warrior, you know, how can we be a worried woman and a warrior woman at the same time? But um, how do you see these archetypes sort of embodying that warrior spirit? Mm. Well, you know, I think that I love this idea that you can be both the woman warrior and the woman warrior, because I think our lives depend on that ability to say yes, both and also. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see, you know, I see the wor- warrior archetype really being part of all of the sovereignty archetypes, the mm-hmm. queen, the princess, and the wise women all have their way of taking on the world of challenging the way things are and standing up to the status quo. Um, They'll have different ways of doing it. You know, the princess may be the one who you're embodying when you're, you know, you're at the protest and you're risking civil disobedience in order, you know, um, and getting arrested. Um, the, The queen can really be the warrior when she's out there earning a livelihood to support her family, when she is, you know, standing up to the school board when they're not um, supporting her children the way they need to. Mm. And, you know, the wise woman comes up with the wisdom that really calls out that the emperor has no clothes and (laughs) she can really be the the warrior without ever welding a sword, but instead welding well wielding her amazingly sharp tongue. Mm, I love that. I love it. But and too with being a woman and this world where there feels like there's a lot of worry to be had mm-hmm. that just is kind of a worrying space right now for me anyway. Yeah it can be easy to lose sight of this sovereignty and feel as if we can stand at our own ground and make change. And sometimes it feels like things are just spinning out of control, but how can we find more groundedness, find more connection with that sovereign self in this, this time? You know, I think it's for me, Sovereignty is the antidote to that sense of overwhelm and helplessness um, that besets us when we look at the latest headlines out of Washington or, uh, you know, when we look at the injustices within our own communities. You know, 
And anytime we're in a place where we are incredibly stressed out and stirred up, um, you know, just for me, like this is this week of book launch is a huge week of of news on the national scale, and it's a huge and there's a, um, a there's a lot of news happening in my local community. There's a um, a woman in our community who who uh, killed her abusive partner and mm-hmm. her sentencing went through this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people who are very, very close to me have been very, very deeply affected by this. And in the midst of all this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm launching this book and I'm going to, you end up in this little book bubble. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the only antidote to both this and, and the book bubble is, is, is amazing and beautiful. And there's so much support and there's so much energy being thrown out into the world, asking people to, to recognize my work that the thing that I've recognized again and again is like, Oh my gosh, I'm losing track of my own sense of self, my own sense of center, my own sense of sovereignty in the face of the national news, the local news, and what's happening right now in my own creative life. Mm. And so this is that moment when, and I I, want to talk to more writers about this too, if they start to recognize this, especially in the first rush of getting a book out. Mm. Uh, You forget to take your own medicine and you Mm. need to very consciously slow down and do that. But it just happens that, you know, the medicine I've cooked up in this book is that thing that I hope will get many women through in the face of everything that throws us off. So that's when it comes back to, um, you know, going outside and putting your feet on the earth and whether that's, you know, barefoot, if it's not too cold, Mm -hmm. um, or whether that's just getting out for a walk and whether it's, uh, you know, getting back into your own spiritual practices and whatever it is that see that connects you to that, which is bigger than you. Um, you know, I was telling you before you and I jumped on our call today, I had moved the furniture around in my living room and I was dancing and I (laughs) needed to do that in order to, come back to something fundamental in myself. And, you know, I was a dancer growing up. When I go back to those activities that remind me of who I was before I even knew what it was to be a princess, before I even knew what it was to be a woman, then there's a real elemental sense of connection with self. And that's always a surefire way to get into your own sense of sovereignty, your own sense of wholeness, your own sense of connection. Yeah. I I must say with the book, I have loved the journal prompts that you suggest throughout uh, and, you know, imagining your own sovereign nation and what that would look like, as well as, you know, finding yourself on the map at different points in your life. But is there a writing prompt that you could share with the audience that, they could pause this audio if they felt like it and write into their own sovereignty. Oh, yeah, let me um, let me think of a of a really good one here because, of course, you know that the the prompts from the book are um, are very you know it's kind of specific to the chapters. But yes, yes, I would you know there's a part in the, in the, there's a the third chapter in the, in the book is about, and I alluded to this briefly, um, my mother died of a sudden heart attack when she was 60. And I, my first daughter was eight months old. And that was 
that was the moment in my life when time stopped and everything just seemed to be rearranged. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about that in that moment of, of real grief and trauma, I think about that as a sovereignty making moment. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's also times when our sovereignty making moments can be really ecstatic ones. You know, I mean, I, I, I got up on stage and sang in front of 400 people a couple of summers ago, and I hadn't sung since I was in high school. And reclaiming mm-hmm. that, um, that part of myself, again, you know, brings you back to your essential sovereignty. So that st- sense of being brave and standing up and doing a thing that I loved in front of a crowd was another sovereignty making moment. So I would encourage your listeners to just take one pivotal moment in their lives and whether it is one of extreme difficulty and sorrow or whether it was one of those like high points of life sort of sort of moments in which you know you're zip lining through Costa Rica mm-hmm. and getting over your fear of heights like take a moment and think about the way in which it connected you to the truest essence of who you are made you feel most alive. Um, because when you start to track those moments, you learn so much about who you are and you really learn about what it means to be sovereign in yourself and say, I, I survived this, I thrived through this, I emerged into somebody new and it may have been difficult as hell, but I'm stronger than I ever was before. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so audience, if you feel so called to pause this, feel free to write into that. That feels very powerful. And I know that I can think up of a few of those moments in my life that uh, really impacted me and shifted but also helped me see who I am, you know, who I need to be. Um, yeah. So very cool. So if women are struggling with finding that sovereign space within themselves, they can absolutely read the book. I think it's really, I love how you weave your personal story without, you know, throughout with, along with the, the folklore and the Celtic goddesses and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if people are really struggling, are, are, is there anything that you feel would be important for them to hear? <sighs> that sovereignty is your birthright that it, it to be sovereign is not to be any more than anyone else that i think we you know because we associate sovereignty with being the king or the queen um it becomes a weird power struggle and instead it's really about finding your own strength and your own deeply deeply felt okayness um <laughs> that you know, it, it. you don't prove yourself sovereign by, you know, sitting at the head of the boardroom or by being the head of the PTA or, you know, hitting your seven-figure income goals. Instead, you know, sovereignty is an inside job and it's a real embodiment of your own, you know, your own divine birthright to be here and to say that, 
when I can care for myself, when I can focus on who I am and what I need, that is not a selfish act. It's an act of real selfless service so that you can show up and support others in order to help them embody their truest selves. And just that it isn't nearly as out of reach as you might fear. This isn't about necessarily changing absolutely everything about yourself. I mean, hopefully that in the stories I tell in this book, I tell them with a great deal of humility and that a lot of it was about trying something and falling down and, and, and looping back and trying again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a moment by moment practice, just as we shift from being princess to queen to wise woman um, within the same day, depending on what energy is called for, what seems to be stirred up. Um, we can step into our sovereignty and we will invariably get the crown knocked off our head and you know muddy our princess gown. And then we can draw ourselves up to our full height and re-enter that sort of energy again. Mm, yeah. And it is, it is, it is, um, I mean, at least for me, there are times when I recognize that I'm not in that sovereign space and it mm-hmm. takes some grounding and yes, putting my feet on the ground and tuning back into myself to make me, to help me feel more in myself as a sovereign person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm screaming at the kids. Oh my gosh. I am, you know, came here for the, I wanted this coaching session with this really high powered person. And I feel like I'm just whining rather than, (laughs) you know, grounding in and and sharing the best of who I am and what I want in this world. Um, You know, it's something that you'll, it's a, it's a constant negotiation um, with your own, you know, most empowered, most present self. And um, forgiveness is a huge part of this practice. In the the book, there's real practices associated with with each of the archetypes. And um, I think that, you know, I associate forgiveness with the princess because we so often uh, don't want to forgive ourselves for being flaky, for being, um, you know, less than present or capable. And yeah. we need that in order to, to keep moving through this beautiful knot that is life. Mm, so true. So how do people find you, Marisa? Well, right now you can find me on Amazon. Um, I'm so excited <laughs> that my book is now available in ebook and hardcover and paperback. Um, and you can also go to your local independent bookstore and ask that they order it if they don't have it on the shelves. It's something that it's it's in a distributorship that makes it easy for local booksellers to pick it up. Um, but they can fi- everyone can find more about. Um, my professional work, what I offer for clients, as well as the Sovereign Writers Circle over at marisagowdy.com and uh, across social media under my name. Nice. Well, I will definitely include links to the book and your website and your social media profiles in the show notes so people can find them there at womanwarriors.com. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm glad that this all worked out and uh, that we were able to meet here and do this. Oh, thank you, Biz. This has been an an amazing first podcast of my, my new self as an author. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in once again this week to the Woman Warriors podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Marisa Gowdy. I have a great respect for her. She's a friend. She's a colleague. She's a writing coach. She's all that and more now an author. I hope you'll check out her book, The Sovereignty Knot, which you can find at Amazon.com, or you can go to WomanWarriors.com and find links to the book as well as her website. I hope that you tune into and embrace all of your parts this week, the princess, the queen, and the wise woman. And I hope you find your sovereign space within yourself. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.